0: Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show.
1: You're listening to the HSBC Global Research Macro Viewpoint, our weekly review of the key reports from our economists and strategists across the globe.
2: It's been a big week for central banks on both sides of the Atlantic. We assess the monetary policy paths of the US and the UK following large rate rises.
1: And as the dollar shows further signs of strength in a whipsawing market after the Fed's meeting, we assess the pressure on currencies in the emerging markets.
2: Plus, has the countdown to a power shift in Washington begun? We preview the issues to watch in next week's U.S. midterm elections.
1: This podcast was recorded on Thursday the 3rd of November 2022. Our full disclosures and disclaimers can be found in the link attached to this podcast. Hello, I'm Piers Butler in London.
2: And I'm Aline Van Dyne in New York. We begin this week here in the U.S., where the Federal Reserve has delivered its fourth hefty rate rise in as many meetings. And next week, attention shifts to key congressional elections that could shift power into Republican hands. Ryan Wang, U.S. economist, is here to give us the details. Ryan, let's start with the FOMC. What were the key takeaways?
3: Well, Fed Chair Jerome Powell made it pretty clear that if the FOMC had been making new projections about how far to take policy rates, that they would have been higher Uh, after the most recent incoming economic data than they were back in September. And so mainly what this refers to is uh, incoming information that suggests that inflation is staying elevated and that labor market conditions are very tight. And as a result, it looks like the FOMC quite possibly will be looking to take policy rates close to the 5% level. That's what we've incorporated into our own forecast for federal funds. We expect another 100 basis points of rate hikes, 50 basis points in December and 50 basis points in February 2023.
2: Now, you've said that risks are skewed towards higher rather than lower policy rates. What are the key data points to watch out for?
3: Well, I think what's going to be key are the various different types of data on the labor market. So that does include uh, the monthly jobs report, but it also includes other indicators such as the number of job openings, Uh, the number of monthly gross hires that are happening each month, uh, layoffs, quit rates, and also importantly, what's happening to wage pressures. Labor market tightness is uh, contributing to sticky high inflation through the tightness of the labor market and through the difficulties that businesses are having in hiring uh, workers to fill job positions. So the Federal Reserve will be looking at all these indicators and and then perhaps most importantly, the policymakers will be looking to see what actually happens with the inflation data. Part of the reason that Powell's comments were so striking is because they show that the FOMC is laser focused on on each month's economic data releases and that the eventual level of policy rates, uh, what the FOMC will deem as sufficiently restrictive, is going to change depending on what the data show.
2: And another big issue, Ryan, are the congressional midterm elections on the 8th of November. What are the issues to watch out for there?
3: Well, historically speaking, in midterm elections, the president's party often loses congressional seats. And it looks like this pattern may repeat itself uh, in the upcoming midterm elections. And it's possible that Republicans will take control of one or both chambers of Congress. Now, the immediate legislative implications Uh, for such a shift are somewhat ambiguous, because the uh, president would still retain a veto power over over any legislation, so it wouldn't necessarily, for example, mean uh, a change in laws that were enacted over the course of the last two years. Now, if the polls are wrong and Democrats were to increase control, particularly in the Senate, picking up seats in the Senate and maintaining control of the House of Representatives, then the impact on legislation could be much more significant. We could see uh, aspects of uh, the democratic policy agenda start to come through. A final consideration is that if we do have uh, divided government after the midterm elections, we could see a return to fiscal frictions, uh, perhaps even in the way that we saw back in 2011, where uh, financial markets had to watch very closely Uh, for government funding and debt limit deadlines that created potential volatility and disruptions. Uh, Depending on uh, the outcome of the midterm elections, we could be setting up into a situation where those issues will become very relevant again in 2023.
2: Ryan, thanks for the update.
3: Thanks, Aline.
1: It's been a challenging few weeks for the UK economy. And at its November meeting, The Bank of England followed the Fed with a 75 basis point rate rise, its biggest increase in decades. We're joined by Liz Martins, Senior UK Economist. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So uh, we've just had the biggest rate hike in 30 years, and yet it's being said that it's dovish. I don't understand.
0: I know it does sound a bit uh, unusual, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, it's dovish in three ways. Um, The first is that you had two members of the Monetary Policy Committee who wanted um, a smaller rate rise. One wanted 50 basis points, that was Swati Dingra, and one only wanted 25 basis points, that was Silvana Tenreiro. So the dissent was in a dovish direction as opposed to members wanting more um, bigger rate rises. Um, The second was the inflation forecast because The Bank of England said if rates rise according to what the market was pricing in, um, so to about just over 5% over the next year or so, then inflation will fall to 1.4% in two years, so below the 2% target, and then to 0% in three years, which is the biggest undershoot it has ever forecast. It's saying that that rate profile is way too high. So that's sending out a dovish signal. And the final dovish element of this uh, um, rate decision monetary policy report was the wording in the statement where the uh, monetary policy committee said um, that further rate rises may be required. And, and, you know, although they did say in the press conference that they thought it was likely that further rate rises would be required, you know, this is a downgrading of the guidance about uh, future tightening. So, yes, it was the biggest rate rise in uh, 30 years, but it still managed to be dovish.
1: And interestingly... Uh, no account seems to have been taken of the prospect of fiscal tightening uh, that the government uh, may announce on the, on the 17th of November
0: that's right so it's been a roller coaster of course on fiscal policy the government first of all was trying to process for all those policies in the so-called mini budget the loosening Um, a lot of those have now gone but we know that we're going to have a budget on the 17th of november um, which in all likelihood is going to bring fiscal tightening now i think it's fair enough that they haven't taken account of that we don't know what will be done we don't know over what time frame it may be nothing to do with what's happening in sort of two to three years which is the the horizon the bank of england's working on um but what it does mean is that when that budget happens if there is more fiscal tightening then that suggests that they are you know they're already forecasting a a, a a long recession into 2024 that could be even worse if you add in um the government being in belt tightening mode as well so that could bring growth and inflation down even more than this already quite uh, bearish scenario that they've published
1: Also a quick question on quantitative tightening. What's the outlook there? I know it started and it has gone better than people had expected. What's the outlook there?
0: That's right. So no change there. The Bank of England is aiming to reduce the balance sheet by £80 billion in the first year. It set out a schedule of auctions. Um, at the time of recording, it had already done one. And as you say, it had gone very smoothly. Um, in fact, the market had welcomed it because it provided liquidity that's been uh, missing. So so far, quantitative tightening, I would say, is, is, is going well and, and isn't really um, you know, likely to, to change. It's on kind of autopilot for now.
1: And uh, taking all this into account, you've changed your forecast. Can you tell us what they are now?
0: Yeah, we have. So we published our previous interest rate forecast on the 23rd of September. That was the day of the so-called mini budget. And it took into account all those tax cuts that Liz Trust had announced. Um, now, most of those have gone. So the conditions have changed a lot. So previously, we were forecasting uh, for bank rate to peak at 4.25 in March. We now see just two more rate rises from here, 50 basis points in December 25 basis points in February, and then stop. So that gets us to 375. So 50 basis points lower than what we were forecasting previously.
1: Liz, thanks very much.
0: Thank you. I'm Harold van der Linde.
1: And I'm Fred Newman. And you can find us under the Banyan Tree.
3: Join us weekly on our new podcast, where we bring Asian markets and macroeconomics into context, with special insight from our regional experts here at HSBC Global Research.
1: Search for HSBC Global Viewpoint on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or join us via the HSBC Global Banking and Markets page on LinkedIn.
3: Enjoy the rest of your podcasts and we'll see you under the banyan tree.
2: We finished this week in the FX markets, where our team has been looking at what the pace of Fed rate hikes and the potential peak for the US dollar could mean for emerging market currencies.
1: Let's get the thoughts of Paul Mackle,
4: Global Head of FX Research. He spoke to Graham McKay in Hong Kong earlier. Paul, good to have you back with us.
5: Thank you very much.
4: So you're back from a big trip. You've been speaking to a lot of investors around the world. What's the key issue that they've been wanting to discuss? Well, one of
5: the main topics of discussion, no surprise, is can the dollar keep strengthening? And, you know, we've been of the view for for quite a long time, pretty much since uh, the third quarter of 2021, Uh, that the dollar would be outperforming. And it does seem that global investors have been buying into this resilient dollar more and more over the last number of months. But again, it's climbing a wall of fear, Uh, can't keep going, is probably one of the biggest
4: questions that's been coming up. And we've just seen another uh, 75 basis point hike from the Fed. Um, Clearly, they're not done yet. Uh, How does that inform your thinking on, on dollar strength moving forward?
5: Well, certainly it reinforces our thinking that the dollar is not done just yet. And we can see the short term price action in response to that FOMC or Fed meeting or Powell's comments uh, that uh, the dollar should actually still be in a very strong position. So it's grinding higher. And obviously, that's an important headwind for many currencies, including those in the emerging world.
4: So does that imply that things are going to stay relatively tough for EMFX with a stronger dollar?
5: The short answer is yes. Increasingly, it's become all about the dollar over the last few months. So we think it's a little bit too early to say that uh, there's going to be greater differentiation emerging for uh, emerging market currencies. Nonetheless, when the Federal Reserve does uh, finish raising interest rates and going on that very prolonged pause, perhaps that changes some of the dynamics for emerging market
4: currencies. But as I mentioned, it's too early to buy into that process just yet. And can we explore that for a minute? Because I believe you've been looking at some sort of historical precedence for when the Fed has peaked and what that has implied for EMFX. Absolutely. So what you can see is just
5: that the volatility in the broader dollar tends to come down. And that, I think, is a precursor for greater differentiation for many different currencies. So that's just less tethered to what the dollar is doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. So it allows more room for local or uh, idiosyncratic factors to emerge. And that, I
4: think, ultimately will happen uh, sometime uh, next year. But it's too early to call for that right now. And I mean, since we clearly don't know when that Fed peak's going to come exactly, um, the challenges will remain for emerging markets FX, presumably in that time. Are there any that you see being more resilient than others?
5: Yes, uh, we do see a handful of emerging market currencies being uh, relatively more stable or be in a better position to outperform versus even the dollar uh, in the months and quarters to come. So my colleague Joseph in Calcaterra has been fairly upbeat on the outlook for the Brazilian real and also the Mexican peso. And there's perhaps a couple of other ones that can hold its own versus the strong dollar, such as the Singapore dollar. But we're really not spoiled for choice uh, for emerging market currencies in terms of what to like, which sadly probably means that it's more
4: of a relative value story within
5: EMFX to find those opportunities.
4: Um, And just to focus finally on uh, Central Bank's other than the Fed. uh, Here in Asia, I believe you've been taking quite a close look at uh, central bank policy and um, how that might be influencing Asian currencies. Uh, What's the thinking there?
5: Well, we regularly track Asian FX policy uh, because it's such an important determinant, how it feeds into uh, Asian currency performance. And for the most part, no surprise, that we can track the intervention behavior. And there's been strong smoothing efforts, particularly through, through the third quarter, as that strong dollar has been Uh, coming through so i think that's still a message there that uh, asian central banks don't want their currencies to be weakening too fast too aggressively uh, but nonetheless you have to pay close attention to shifts in asian fx policy because it could open windows for these currencies to weaken at a faster pace paul
4: mackle thank you very much indeed thank you very much
1: so that's all from us this week thanks to our guests ryan wang liz martins and paul mackle
2: From all of us here on the team, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.
0: Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.